Amen. Well, today we're continuing circles. That's what we've called this series. And pretty fun, like looking at how that great commission gets displayed in our everyday life. A couple of weeks ago, if you remember, I talked about that inner circle of friends and family and how how do you witness to your friends and family. Last week, Pastor Jesse talked about that sphere of influence. Well, today I have the privilege of preaching on how to talk to strangers. And I got a meme that I wanted to put up on the screen because I, I get it. Your mom told you not to talk to strangers. But as you grow up, right, as you learn how to adult, talking to strangers is just a real part of life. In fact, if you don't believe me, well, guess what? That VBS, I, I counted it up uh, between the kids, the grandparents, the parents, all those kids, uh, all those people. I probably talked to like 70, 80 strangers, right? It's just a part of the gig. So it might be good for us to know how to talk to strangers. So before we go any further, I'm going to pause. I want to show a video. It's about five minutes long. Please, if you can, take notes. It's really important that we grasp what it's trying to talk about. And then after it's done, we'll, we'll keep on going. The story of the Bible begins with God bringing life out of darkness, ordering our beautiful world, and then blessing all of its creatures. Hold on, blessing. That's one of those funny religious words. Yeah, right. People say a blessing over their meal or after they sneeze. Or just a general way to say that things are going well for me. But in the Bible, a blessing is more specific. The first blessing in the Bible is when God creates animals, and he blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the land. Ah, so God's blessing is about flourishing and multiplication of life. Right. It's when God shares his life-producing ability with others. Next, God gives humans an additional blessing that sets them apart from the animals. Not only are we one of God's creatures that can generate new life, we've also been appointed as God's representative image to rule and oversee this whole flourishing world on God's behalf. So part of our blessing is to take care of God's blessing for all creation. And God wants us to rule while trusting in his abundance, to eat from the tree of blessing, that is, the tree of God's own eternal life. Now there is another tree to eat from. Yes, and it represents this decision to try and seize abundance and life on our own terms by our own wisdom. The humans encounter a deceptive creature who tricks them into eating from this other tree, thinking it's a shortcut to blessing. And instead of blessing, this tree brings a curse. A curse? You mean like a magic spell? No, in the Bible, the curse is when God hands people over to the consequences of seizing our own blessing on our own terms. It's a curse because instead of abundance and life, we end up with scarcity, isolation, and death. So God curses the ground, and instead of fruitfulness, there will be famine. Instead of overseeing the world, they will have to work the land until they die. Man. But God also curses that deceptive creature that fooled the humans, saying that a human will come one day to destroy it. And that human will be born into a world of scarcity where men and women and families and tribes are all locked in violent conflict. If God's blessing is now covered with a curse, how can we flourish? Even more, how can we rule with God? Well, here the biblical story takes an interesting turn. God chooses one couple, Abraham and Sarah, and God blesses them and says they will become a huge family. Be fruitful and multiply. And there's more. God says that his blessing on Abraham and his family is for this larger purpose, so that through them, God's blessing can go out to all of the nations. So God's plan is to reverse the curse and restore the blessing by first blessing this one family. Right. 
And this family does experience God's blessing. Even when they journey through times of danger and scarcity, they grow into this huge nation, Israel. And God brings them to a mountain and invites them to be his representatives. Yes, God will bless Israel so that they can become a blessing to the nations. All they have to do is trust and live by God's wisdom. And they're told that this is a choice between life and death, between blessing and curse. Now keep reading because the Israelites almost never trust God for his blessing. Their story is filled with tales of deception, violent grabs for power, resulting in the ultimate curse exile from their land and slavery to foreign nations. But Israel's prophets who lived through all of this, they still trusted in God's promise to Abraham. And they anticipated a future Israelite who would come to restore God's blessing and reverse the curse for Israel and for all the nations. When we turn to the story of Jesus, we find Israel still experiencing the curse, living as slaves to the Roman Empire. But Jesus, he so trusted in God's blessing, he claimed that it was arriving in a new way through himself. He wanted his followers to trust in God's abundance, to share and be generous. And he even taught his followers to bless people who curse them. Jesus would even reverse the curse by healing and restoring people's bodies. God's blessing is being unleashed. Jesus also confronted his fellow Israelites who were in power, and he accused them of getting in the way of God's plan to bless Israel and the nations through them. Those leaders arrest Jesus so they could have him killed. And instead of fighting back, Jesus believed that he was that chosen Israelite who would face the curse that Israel and all humanity deserves, and he would allow the curse to fall on him. Jesus dies the shameful death of a man under the curse. But just as God brought life and blessing out of darkness in the beginning, so here, through Jesus, God reverses death by raising Jesus. The curse is put to death so that the blessing of God's life can spread out once again. After his resurrection, Jesus blessed his followers, and he said that his presence would be with them as they learned to trust in God's blessing and share with others. And while death and the curse still have a hold on our world, followers of Jesus trust that the power of God's blessing is even stronger. It means we can live with extreme generosity, even when it seems like there's not enough. And that leads us to the conclusion of the biblical story, where every nation is enjoying the gifts of God's abundance, because in God's new world that is sustained by the life-giving power of Jesus, there is no longer any curse. Encouraging, church. Oh, man, I love that video. Quick recap, the idea of that you are... At the beginning of creation, right, this charge to be fruitful and to multiply, you're given this incredible assignment, this appointment, you're made in the image of God. You are now to be a representative of God. You're given this incredible responsibility of stewarding this abundance of, of this beautiful, flourishing world. And they were to do it, and I love how the video says it, all while radically trusting in God, but not just trusting in God, but trusting in His blessing, trusting in His abundance. And yet, we all know how the story goes. The video, again, describes it so well. It talks about this curse, this curse of our sin and our rebellion. And come on, like the fallout of that curse, it's not just recorded in the Bible, like we're seeing it with our own eyes. You probably have seen it in your own life. The curse 
is still uh, having its full effect uh, in so many people's lives that don't know Jesus. And yet, aren't you thankful that God is faithful? I love those songs that we sang today. And this is so important. That's what, again, the video shows a faithful God that even though we took that, uh, tr- that fruit and trying to define good and evil and defining life for ourselves, he didn't give up on us. And so there's Abraham and Abraham's family. And, and we know that they're blessed to be a blessing, right? You've, you've ever, you said that, right? If you're church person at all. And if you speak Christianese, you've said that, right? I'm blessed to be a blessing, but that's what happens, right? It's through that nation. He says, through you, all nations will be blessed. And then you follow the story and you finally get to Moses and God speaks to Moses and the Israelites. And look at this church. This is incredible. You've heard it before. Exodus 19. He says, this is God speaking. He goes, if you indeed obey my voice, if you keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all people for all the earth is mine. And you You shall be to me a kingdom of priests. You shall be to me a holy nation. So now it's amazing. It's a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, a chosen people representing God to the world. And yet again, like the video says, that doesn't go so well. In fact, they kind of make a mess of it. And yet again, God is faithful. Church, aren't you thankful that God is faithful? He doesn't give up on his people. And now he sends prophets and the prophets talk about the promise of a Messiah. A Messiah would come and rescue and save his people and eventually we get to Jesus Jesus the promised Messiah who reverses the curse praise the Lord and through his death on the cross through his resurrection from the grave God's life and blessing is now flowing through Jesus in fact Jesus is the tree of life can I get an amen and now we as followers of Jesus we get to share in the life and the blessing and the abundance that is found in Jesus church aren't you thankful to be a follower of Jesus in fact one of his disciples one of his closest friends, Peter says this in first Peter two, he says, as Jesus followers, now you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, man. Like if you're sitting here and you know, Jesus, you're his special possession that you may declare his praises, the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So that means now in Jesus, we're conformed to the image of Jesus, the image of Christ in Jesus. We're blessed to be a blessing in Jesus. We represent the, uh, to the world, the Lord in Jesus, we are living, moving, breathing, walking examples in a world that is full of chaos, sin, and darkness. But I am an example of life. I am an example, an abundance of peace, of shalom, of blessing, of life, and the freedom that is only found in Jesus. I'm no longer under the curse. I've been set free. And now as much as I can, I don't get it perfect, but I'm trying to radically put my trust, my faith in the Lord. It's all about Jesus, his light radiating all around me, in me, and through me. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we just got to wake up, church, because Jesus has done something radical in us. And what does that have to do with talking to strangers? Everything, everything, because think about it, and I'm calm now. When you talk to a stranger, I was thinking about this week, when you talk to a stranger, you're going to influence them and they're going to influence you, whether you like it. Whether you even want that to happen, when you're interacting with someone that you don't know, you're influencing them, they're influencing you. I was at the Adventist church yesterday hanging out with them at a really awesome outdoor service. And a lot of those people I didn't know. And so guess what? I was influencing them. They were influencing me. Church, if I'm hanging out with someone that I don't know, I want to influence them with that. 
I want to influence them with what I just talked about. I want to influence them with a life that has been so radically changed by Jesus. Right? That's what I want them to experience. I don't want them to experience religion. (laughs) I want them to experience Jesus. And that happens when they encounter a life that has been radically changed by Jesus. Let's see how we get here. We're going to start in Acts chapter 8, if you have your Bibles. We're going to start at the very beginning of the chapter. And right before this, chapter 7, there's this intense season. Stephen, you guys remember Stephen? He's stoned to death for his faith. It's a powerful scene. Stephen, Scripture tells us, and and I know we've covered this, but Scripture tells us he was a man full of the Spirit. He was a man full of wisdom. And here he is, uh, both of those things on full display, and he dies for his faith. We know Saul is there. Saul, who later we know as the Apostle Paul, he's standing there. At this point, he's definitely not a follower of Jesus, but he stands there approving of the death of Stephen. And then you get to Acts 8, and this is what Acts 8 verse 1 says. It says, on that day, so this would be the day of his death, it says, on that day, there's this great persecution that breaks out against the church in Jerusalem. And I, and I want you to catch this church. The persecution breaks out in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered. They were scattered throughout Judea, scattered throughout Samaria. So the apostles, who you could say were some of the leaders of the Christian movement at that time, it says that they stayed, but the everyday followers of Jesus, they have to flee. They, they scatter. If you go a couple of verses down to verse 4, it says that those who, who had been scattered, they are the ones who preached the word wherever they went. Now, if you go back to the very beginning of Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, This is Jesus, his words, and these are pretty amazing. He goes, listen, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, yes, in Jerusalem, but not just in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. That's what he says in Acts 1.8, but now here in Acts 8.1 and Acts 8.4, the apostles are staying in Jerusalem, and everybody else begins to scatter to be a witness in Judea and Samaria. This is important for us to understand, church. See, it wasn't just the religious leaders who were going to be Jesus' witnesses. I mean, Grace talked about this in our pre-service prayer that sometimes, have you noticed, we want to make that the job of the pastors. Like, pastor, you just go do whatever you do and magically like bring people to Christ. You just do your thing and, and yeah, good luck. Is that how it was ever meant to be? Never, never. Yes, they are a part of it, but it wasn't going to just be the apostles. It was going to be everybody, right? All of us to the ends of the earth, telling the world about the good news of Jesus. So we got to understand this. The Great Commission, I talked about the Great Commission a couple of weeks ago. This Great Commission, it is for all of us. I was looking at Barna Research, and it's always pretty amazing to to read some of that and a tad bit depressing. And so this one is kind of in that vein. It was from 2019 and Barna Research said that over half of churchgoers, so these are people who regularly attend church, over half of them, 51%, have never heard of the Great Commission. Wow. But it gets worse. (laughs) Only 17% of churchgoers, so these aren't just people in the world, but people who, like you and me, like people who go to church, only 17% have heard of the Great Commission, but also knew what it meant. 
Not wild. So like right now, if we just pick 10 of you, that would be 1.7 of you. I don't know what one of you gets to be the 0.7, but 1.7 of you would be able to say, yes, this is the Great Commission and this is what it means. And if you remember two weeks ago, I had us all stand. We read it together. Look it up. It's Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Church, you and I, all of us, we are called to go, right? Called to go and make disciples. Now, I think about these early followers of Jesus who are going and they're making disciples, again, all of them. And, and this persecution, it forces them to go and to scatter and to flee and to preach in new places. But think about it, church. Logically, that means if they're fleeing and they're going, this means that they are speaking, they're talking, they're interacting with strangers. Talking to strangers. It's just a normal expectation of the early church. It reminds me of a message I gave a couple of months ago. I was talking about Paul and his missionary journey. Remember, I had the whiteboard up here and I talked about Lydia, how he finally made it to Lydia. And we talked about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's role and opening doors and closing doors. And eventually the Holy Spirit leads him to Lydia. And it's an amazing story. Lydia, her whole household, they're all saved. But you need to hear this, church. That's just the expectation of Acts 1-8, of the words that Jesus said that, yes, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. That means you're going to be empowered by him. You're going to be equipped by him. And yes, even led by him in Jerusalem, but also into Judea, all Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. That's a normal part of the Great Commission. And it's all still happening today, isn't it? Like, you could just tell me, I'm sure lots of you have stories. Just it happened this week. Probably every one of you had a chance to witness this week to a stranger. I mean, it's happening, and it doesn't just happen once. It happens multiple times a week. He is leading you to people that you do not know. Some of you are kind of comfortable in this, and you have some experience in this, and you're just naturally just exhibiting the things of Christ and the things of God to others. Others of you, maybe you're not quite there. And so that's what I want to talk about. Like, what do you do when you get there? Again, I know mom said don't talk to strangers, but I'm just here to say if the Holy Spirit is leading you there, then you better learn. And again, that's why we're here today. Let's learn what to do when we get there. I showed that video because without that understanding, this is so important, without that understanding of what that video talks about, right? How through Jesus, the curse is broken, that through Jesus, we're blessed to be a blessing, that through Jesus, yes, in the midst of the chaos and the darkness and the hopelessness, that we as believers in Jesus, we can live ordered, productive, abundant, peace-filled, whole, powerful, good lives in and through Jesus. Until you've got that one settled, you're probably going to make a mess of it when you interact with strangers. The reason I say that is I've seen it. Unfortunately, Christians right now in so many ways are making a mess of our interactions with strangers. And so this leads me to probably the point of today. It's definitely the most important point. That before you attempt at telling other people about what Jesus can do in their lives... (laughs) like the Apostle Paul and Peter and Phoebe and Priscilla and all the other early followers of Jesus, you got to get this one settled. you got to know who he is and what he has done in your life. Church, what has Jesus done in your life? And let's be honest, like, it's just the weirdest thing, the arms folded, cold, rigid Christianity that I'm experiencing, and I just can't stand it. It's making my skin crawl because it cannot let just be an intellectual endeavor. you got to fill it in your heart. What Jesus has done. Like, we got to wake up. 
oh, oh. And I feel it in myself, like when you're just sitting there and you're like, well, this and this is wrong, I don't like this. And, and then the Spirit's like, damn, what are you doing? Wake up. You've got to feel it. That church, I was just neck deep in sin and rebellion. Anybody else? Like I was blind. I was lost. I was dead. How soon we forget what Jesus has done. And he found me. And he made it so I could see. And he took me out of that grave. And he said, no, son, you're alive. You're alive. You're alive. You're alive. You know, here's a Christian word. It's really Christianese, but we got to understand it. Church, you've been born again. Everybody say born again. Born again. We don't even use words like that anymore. And I don't get it because until you know and really feel in your heart that I've been born again, what are the strangers going to see in you? Because I don't want them just to see my opinions and my thoughts on how the world's going. I want them to see a born again creation. Romans 8.11 says this, that you've been regenerated by the Spirit. He says the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives where? In you. That Spirit. Jesus says in John 6, he goes, it's the Spirit who gives life. He goes on to say something pretty radical. I, I can't imagine what the people thought about him when he said this. But he goes, my words are full of what? Are full of the Spirit and are full of life. Some, some translations just say, my, my words are Spirit and life. And so you and I, we got Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I got Jesus in my life. I've been born again. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, his resurrection power, where I once was dead, I'm now alive. By the way, don't be embarrassed by that. Don't be ashamed by that. Don't keep it a secret. Don't hide it. Don't put it under a bushel. Oh, no. I mean, just don't do that. Because again, like this has to come naturally out of our mouths, church, that, oh, Jesus, like Jesus brought color to my world. Like he brought wonder and creativity to my world. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, he is something else because like my heart, my heart that was just so selfish, like I was just selfish. All I could think about was my own desires, my own needs. And yet then Jesus came in and he, like he gave me this new heart. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, what is this? It starts with a C. It ends with an N. It's called compassion. Like he gave me compassion. He gave me his love and not just like for one or two people, but he gave me his love for everybody. And I'm not perfect at it. Like, it's a journey and I still mess it up way too often. But he's just like anybody else. Like, he just keeps on having you go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into what? Into a life of radical freedom. Anybody else? Like, you're learning. You're still studying. Like, what does freedom in Christ truly mean? Not like freedom like a country says freedom or not like the world says freedom or like, you know, the come on. Like, what is real freedom in Christ? And he's bringing me into this place of deep, radical freedom in Christ, deep, radical wholeness, shalom, peace in Christ, this love in Christ where I have the privilege. I was thinking about this. I was like, man, Jesus, what you've done, because now when I wake up, even if I wake up kind of fleshy, anybody ever wake up kind of fleshy? But see, the spirit of God can radically invade my life in that moment. And then I get to leverage my days. I was using the word leverage. I get to leverage my days. I get to leverage my life. I get to leverage a born again life from the freedom and the abundance that I have in Jesus. I get to leverage. Oh man, I just, I'm feeling it today. I get to leverage my life 
Not to indulge the flesh, right? Like Galatians 5.13 talks about. I don't have to use my freedom to go and do whatever I want and do whatever I want to say. But no, I can actually use my freedom to humble myself and to humbly, radically serve other people in love. I'm not perfect at this. But man, there's just nothing like living for Jesus. I'm so happy with Jesus. And I have bad days, just like the rest of you. But even on my best day, or my worst day, it's better than it ever was without Jesus. What has Jesus done in your life? You've got to get this one settled, because this is so important when we're interacting with strangers. Because again, when you interact with a stranger, you want them to see the change. You want them to have an encounter with someone who's been set free. By the way, there's a bunch of people that don't know Jesus and are still trapped in their bondage. So you being in freedom is just going to look weird anyway. Like you don't even have to try hard. You don't have to have to be weird or crazy. Just just be who you are in Christ and they're going to notice the difference. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So you got to walk in that abundance, walk in that freedom, walk in that blessing, the joy and the life that Jesus has given to you. Again, someone transformed from the inside out. And again, I'm not talking about being religious. I mean, some of the religious leaders, he's like, man, you look good on the outside, but you're full of dead men's bones on the inside. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about born again, regenerated, made new. Like, what has Jesus done for you, church, from the inside out? And that's what we want strangers to see. Now, how this practically gets played out in the real world? Well, Google it. I, that's what I did. I did that this week. How do you talk to strangers about Jesus? <laughs> Have you noticed? There's a lot of churchy Christian people, pastors like me, who just love telling you what to do. Um, there, <laughs> there was all these practical ways. I'll, I'll just give you a couple. You can pass out tracks, right? Tracks were really popular in the 80s and 90s. I, I go on a trail. I run. I try to at least three or four times a week. And this trail, someone's leaving those tracks. And, and so you can do that. Now, the invite cards that we have, we passed one out to everybody. That's great. I mean, maybe you're uh, talking to a stranger and you feel led to, to give them that card. That, that would be a good thing. Uh, also, just in general, like leverage your church community where you can invite people to various events like the Backpack Drive or like a VBS. And, uh, and we've been doing some fun things. Even this back-to-school uh, thing that we're doing, it's going to be a shorter service. We're going to have the bouncy houses. We're going to feed people food. You know, that's a great thing to invite a stranger to, you know, do something along, along those lines. I'll, I'll say this. This one might be scary or intimidating to some of you, but I think a great technique and strategy with strangers is ask the Lord for a word of knowledge, right? I, I, I know... For some of you, again, that's intimidating, but this is by far one of the most effective ways that the Lord has used my life is when I'm interacting with someone, especially someone I don't know, I don't always get to a place where I, where I can pray for them. But if they allow me to pray for them in that moment, I mean, game on. And if you guys know me, you know, in that moment, like I am just Holy Spirit, speak, Holy Spirit, speak, because I've just noticed that if I'm able to pray something specific to their life that they would never know, like they would have no way uh, or I would have no way of knowing anything about it. It's all, I mean, this happened twice to two young men in their 20s in like one week. I got to do it for two different guys. And you just start praying and they, they just look at you like, how did you know? But I'll be honest, too, with both of those stories, these are young men who've been through a lot. And, and they didn't, like, smile 
Instead, they just cried and cried. One of the men, just an hour before that, he had told himself that he was done with God. Actually, both of them had said that they were done with God, that there is no God. And yet then the Lord was able to speak through me. And of course, again, young men, they're just sobbing, crying, embracing a stranger, saying, how did you know that? And isn't that beautiful? If you've ever been a part of that, that's when you go, man, do you know how much God loves you? You know, God, I mean, God sent me here because he loves you and he, he understands what you're going through and he cares about what you're going through. So that's a great strategy. If you've never done that before, just be open to it. And then also in that world, please just walk in humility. So like if you're talking to someone, just be gracious with it. Like, well, I feel like maybe the Lord, you know, like don't go, thus saith the Lord. Like that, that usually doesn't work. But just be more sensitive. Like maybe I feel like maybe this or the Lord. And, and just sensitively speak the heart of God over their life. Does that make sense? Another, another strategy, and I don't even know if this is a strategy, but it's so good. Just be open to how the Lord wants to use you in your day. Like, we're, we're just so like, I'm going to talk to strangers. Well, instead, how about you just are open to saying, God, your will be done in my life on earth as it is in heaven. I love that song, Available, right? It's just like, I just want to be available. And, and that's a great posture because when you're available, if to be honest, it's not even about you going to people. A lot of times it's about people going to you. We had a scary thing happen Sunday night. The church was unlocked, like the door was open. And I mean, just everything was still here. And so I come in Monday morning and I'm like, hello, <laughs> hello, no one answered. So that, you know, whatever that is, I go into my office and then I hear somebody. And so I come out, hello, and a gentleman was there and I was able to talk to that gentleman and he walked in and so I was able to see what was going on in his life. I was able to talk to him. I was able to go to the gas station, buy him some gas. I had some grocery cards. I gave him a grocery card. I was able to pray for him and, and I was able to invite him to church. So I'd say that's maybe the best strategy is just be open, right? Be available. God loves strangers more than you do, right? So just God, like, just have your way in my life. I, I want to be available and open. And we could go on and on. There's a thousand different ways you can interact with strangers, but yeah, I mean, you guys know me. You're not going to be surprised by this message at all. Is What I want you guys to feel this morning is that, again, that as a person who has been radically changed by Jesus, who's been regenerated by the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit in those interactions with those strangers, again, I mean, just even with everything going on in our culture and our society right now, I just think this is so important, church. In those interactions, what do they see? Or... Who do they see? Or maybe this is another helpful way to look at it. I'm just throwing everything I got at you today. <laughs> Hoping something sticks. Another way to think about it is what kind of fruit do they see? You ever think about the fruit of your life? Jesus says in Matthew 7, he says people are known by what? By their fruit. He says if you're a good tree, guess what kind of fruit you're going to bear? Good fruit. If the Spirit is radically, authentically, wholly changed you from the inside out, I'm just telling you, people can sniff that out pretty quick. I mean, it can be a 20, 30 second conversation. They're like, oh, I, this guy's different. This gal's different. They can see the fruit of the Spirit flowing through your life. We know the list, right? The fruit of the Spirit, love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What a list, right? Against 
these things. There is no law. Our founder, we're a four-square church. Our founder, Amy Simple McPherson, she has some things to say about this in the Declaration of Faith. So this is like what we believe as a four-square church. She writes this. She says that the fruit of the Spirit, so again, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. She says the fruit of the Spirit, this is what she said, is the constant, eloquent, and irrefutable evidence of a Spirit-filled life. I love that. The fruit of the Spirit is the irrefutable evidence of a life radically changed by the Lord. So if you want to be effective in witnessing to strangers, you just got to let the Lord keep on doing that work in you. And none of us are perfect. We're all on a journey But please do not get hard-hearted and stubborn where you don't allow the Spirit to continue His good work in your life. Let Jesus do that work. Let Him do that heart surgery, right? Give Him full permission to do that heart surgery. All of us, I don't care who you are, all of us need things to still be cut away in our lives. I mean, we all got stuff. And this might sound grumpy, but I mean, there's stuff in my life, there's stuff in your life that is actually affecting your witness. And we don't want to talk like that, and that feels like anti-grace or something along those lines. But I'm just telling you, you know that. You don't even need a pastor to tell you that. There's stuff in your life, and it's affecting that that witness. But praise the Lord, right? Like this morning, you can allow the Lord to work on that. You better believe before I preach a sermon like this, I was like, oh, Jesus, help me with my stuff. That's what I love about preaching. Because you've got to preach to yourself first. But I mean, just leverage those times, whether it's early in the morning before you get out of bed or in the car or on your lunch break, just whenever. Just Holy Spirit, oh, by God's grace and mercy, Holy Spirit, fill me again. Just let Him overflow. 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 Rushing, living waters of His Spirit. So you can operate in the gifts of the Spirit, but also so people around you can experience the fruit of of the Spirit in and through your life. Amen? This is so important. We've got to get this church because when the fruit of the Spirit is evident in your life, oh man, come on. When the fruit of the Spirit is evident in your life, who are they going to see? Who are they going to see? They're going to see Jesus. Because I don't know about you, when I look at that list, who do I see? I see Jesus. That list has Jesus dripping all over it. All right. Here's a couple quick examples of where this might get applied in your interaction with a stranger. When the waiter messes up your order. When the food comes out cold. When the car cuts in front of you on Interstate 5 and they give the middle finger wave. When the guy randomly swears at you while you're on the trail walking your dog. When the kid next to you at McDonald's takes the cash that you just put on the counter, takes it, smiles, and laughs. When the player on the other basketball team purposely elbows you in the face and then the crowd of students all begin to cheer. When the person on the phone scams you out of $2,000. When the parent at the ball game heckles your team's players. Or when the animal society tells you you cannot adopt a pet because of the veterinarian that you use. These are just my own personal examples. (laughs) But in that moment, often heated moment, how are we going to respond? Right? How are we going to respond? It's hard. Like, none of us are perfect at this. But I hope 
that we have just been so aware and recognizing of the work that God has done in our life, that Jesus has done, that we would respond full of the Holy Spirit, exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. Now, by the way, a lot of those people could care less how you respond, right? They were angry before they met you. They're going to be angry after they meet you. But even in the Bible, I mean, think about Jesus. Jesus is perfect. He's perfect in every way. And yet, was Jesus ever rejected? Yeah, I mean, he was killed, right? Rejection, get used to it, church. Don't be afraid of it. Rejection is a normal part of being a Christian. It's one of the greatest fears that still has a grip and is paralyzing the American church. Is we're paralyzed by the fear of rejection. But let's just make sure we're being rejected for the right reasons. I mean, if you're being hated and rejected because you're just so loving, because you're just so full of peace and joy... I mean, if you're being canceled because, I mean, just you're overwhelmingly patient, kind, and good. I mean, you're just too faithful. You're just too gentle. I mean, I just can't hand you. Your self-control is over the top. I mean, if that's what's going on, then okay. Jesus himself says, as they hated me, they will hate you. But if people are rejecting you because of your unlike, unchristlike attitude... If they're rejecting you because you're just kind of an angry, bitter person with a religious attitude and spirit, and unfortunately that's been happening a lot lately, if that's going on, well, I got really good news. And this is to me as as much as to anybody. By God's grace and by God's mercy, right here, right now, humble yourself. Repent. Get on your knees in humility and repent and turn. It says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And so if you've been walking that out or you've been lashing out in those ways that are anti the fruit of the spirit, then just say, God, I need you. Obviously, my flesh is just not working here. So spirit of God, fill me again. Work on my heart. Renew my mind. And let him just do that work where once again, your life, that when people see you and see your life, they don't just see you. They see Christ in you. So what I want to do, and we have some time left, I, I want to give us an opportunity, but I also want to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to begin some of that work. And again, I get it's a process and a journey, but just, and this is one of the things that the Holy Spirit does. He reminds us of everything Jesus has said and done. And so let's let the Holy Spirit remind us today of what he has done. And I don't know your journey, but I bet you there's a lot of awesome things and good things and and you've seen the faithfulness, and you've seen the grace and the mercy of God. You've seen Him take you out of that pit. He, you've allowed Him to take what was once dead, and you've seen Him bring it to life. Can we remember that right now? Remember that. In a way that would challenge us, but also encourage us. I want to ask the worship team to come back up at this time. But, church, that you would allow Him to remind you, to challenge you, to encourage you that, again, you were under a curse. Unfortunately, there's a Christian spirit and Christian attitude that sometimes just says, look what I've done. Look how great I am. Oh, God, forgive us of that. Because it's not about what we've done. It's about what Christ has done. We couldn't break the curse. And yet he broke the curse. He set us free. I don't dance and sing because I like dancing and singing. I dance and I sing because I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. But church, I mean, we got to get this. We're not saved just so we get a ticket, you know, get out of hell free card, you know, like so we can just make it to heaven one day. We're saved 
so that we're blessed to be a blessing, right? We're saved to be able to leverage our days, leverage our life, that we have this opportunity to go to be conformed to the image of Christ. But now we get to represent Christ made in the image of God, but now conformed to the image of Christ. We get to go and share His love, His grace, His compassion, and His kingdom with the world around us. Again, strategies, techniques, they're going to look different depending on your own unique context situation. You guys go places I'm never going to go. You're talking to people I'm never going to get to talk to. So you're going to just have to trust the Holy Spirit to lead you in that moment. But I promise you, you will interact with strangers this week. But then I guess I'd conclude with this. Are you ready? We need to get ready. Because the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe. And I'm not fatalistic when it comes to the harvest. I'm actually very optimistic. I believe God is doing something powerful and radical right now in the Pacific Northwest. The harvest is ripe. His love, His grace, His compassion, but also His salvation is on the move. And He wants to reveal, I believe He is revealing Himself right now and His kingdom to a lost and hurting world. But He wants to do it not just in spite of you, but He wants to do it through you. Through you. So we're going to sing a song. This song is a blast. You've never heard it before, but it's fun. So I just say let it speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit just continue to do that work in you. Ask Him to give you His heart, right, for every person you encounter this week. Again, so that no matter who it is, whether it's a friend or a family member, co-worker, classmate, or even a stranger, come on, that they're going to see Jesus. They're going to see Jesus. And the hope of his kingdom and his life, his blessing, his abundance, his freedom living in and through us. So let's stand. Again, you might not know it at first, but after a while, I think you'll get a hang of it. Lord Jesus, we love you. We love you. It's easy to wake up in the morning and just begin to be real fleshy. Huh. And yet you have sent us the Holy Spirit. You asked the Father to cover us, to clothe us, to empower us from on high with the Holy Spirit. And that we are born again, made new. So even now, Lord, as we sing this, God, this song, Lord, remind us of our identity in you. Remind us of who we are in you. And may the fruit of a born-again life be evident in everything we say and everything we do. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.